looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy Train Radio? You look like hell. And I could look the same. What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Truth, 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 I'm one crazy nerf Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey, boils and ghouls, David Howard Thornton, Art the Clown himself, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Choo choo! Yeah, yeah! Hey, folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc. 
Jonathan Steele. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this next guest is truly part of a honest to God slasher movie from 2016 that is blood splattered shock, I guess you would call it, called Terrifier. And obviously COVID put a little hindering on stuff, but they do have Terrifier 2 in the can from what you hear. Mm-hmm. However, this next guest, or I should say that first picture, and I'm sure they don't deviate in the second picture, is what you would call a true full-blown hair-raising homage to Grindhouse Slashers. And they introduce on a bigger scale a new murderous icon in the form of Art the Clown. Art surely does feel destined to become one of those true par anti-heroes, but anyway, long-winded intro, let's welcome the man behind the makeup, or the grease paint, however you want to consider it, David Howard Thornton. David, how are you? I'm doing great, Jonathan. How are you doing, man? <laughs> oh, What's the old saying? Piper Piper used to say, box of fluffy ducks, whatever. I don't know. I'm... <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it was a box of fluffy ducks, the saying that he used to say. So we're here. Better than Duffy fucks. <laughs> That's when we get off the camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they would become what you said prior to starting recording porno. So, yes. <laughs> so we won't go there. <laughs> That's not our uh, MO. And plus, they would kick us <laughs> off. They would kick us off some of our outlets. So, oh, definitely. Yeah, don't need you, those Duffy flux. Yeah, YouTube <laughs> and whatnot. And I just want to mention as well because he's been helping out a little bit behind the scenes. So I invite him to be a part of this conversation. You've heard him if you join the watchalongs, Mr. Ross Bryant. How you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. Hello, right David. On. Hello, Ross. Hi. Yeah. He, he has, if you go back and watch some of our watch-alongs we did, you'd hear me almost yelling like a, uh, for Ross, because he's like our ta- fact finder and all that stuff. He, mm-hmm. In a gray matter, it's a bunch of useless knowledge like the rest of us. So, <laughs> <laughs> Ross confirmed that, you know, that, that kind of thing. So That's great. Yeah, if he, yeah. And sure enough, he would. He'd go, yeah, you're an A on whatever the subject is, but that we'd be discussing. But let's talk about David a little bit. So, oh, if we must. <laughs> oh, shucks. And it's funny because uh, I just picked this up digitally, 4K and all that fun stuff. When doing a little reading, and it had nothing to do with this whole reading and writing concept. Mm-hmm. But entertainment-wise, I hear, at least from a film standpoint, in wanting or leading, helping lead you to join and wanting to get to the actor field is a little film from, I believe, 87 or 88. I can't remember. I'm not that smart. But <laughs> right here, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yes, 1988. Yes. Yes. So what was, was this influence? Year. Yes, it was. 
why that movie as an influence for you? Oh, gosh, several reasons. I mean, first of all, I think it's a perfect film. It's just got everything I like in a film. It's got cartoon. It's got, you know, it's got uh, humor. It's got great music. Got It's that film noir element. It's got a good mystery. It's got good villains. got good action. It's just got dames. <laughs> it's great. It's a great movie. I love it. I, I fell in love with it when it came out back in 88. I was like, uh, I had just gotten out of second grade and I was obsessed with that movie. And um, I, I loved it. And I, I, they did a, um, not only did I love the movie, they did a uh, behind the scenes documentary that they showed on TV on how they made the movie. With Charles and, uh, Fleischer. Yes. That's yes. on the DVD. I don't know if you've ever. Oh, it's on this. there. That's great. That's oh. one of the major behind the scenes on here. Oh, the one they showed they on that TV. On that's great. Because yeah, that's I, I love that. And it was that's what like that was my first time to ever really see how movies were made. And I thought that was really fascinating because you know, all the elements that went into especially that movie. I mean, that movie was ahead of its time when it came to, you know, like the special effects and everything like that. And it was just like, wow, I mean, all that would be done with CG this day and age. All that was done with like hand-drawn animation and puppeteering. And I thought that was amazing. But also that's how I found out that um Mel Blank did the voices for all those Looney Tune characters. It was one of his last projects he ever did before he passed away in eight, the next year. And um, and I, I found that to be fascinating. That wow, that's a career someone has. And so that started my love of learning how to do uh, character voices too. So the, the, this movie had a lot of big influences on me. It made me really want to, you know, get into movies and really started my real love of movies. I would say. And you know, it's funny and going inside baseball and i'm gonna reference the behind the scenes clip for the version for tv that you referenced there with charles and roger mm -hmm. talking together and i found it fascinating was that this that particular project who framed roger rabbit was mm -hmm. one of the last that was actually physically hand-drawn like you said mm -hmm. as far as the animation's concerned because that's yeah, we get into 90 and early 90s and things start going CGI and yeah, like the Pixar and everything else like that. So I found it fascinating. The extras they have all kinds of behind the scenes and 4K stuff and the nerd stuff it is cool, you know. Oh yeah. So obviously, was there a personal influence for you besides that particular movie that said, Hey, I want to give this acting a shot. I would say that would be my mom. That was, um, and my dad, but especially my mom, she directed all the church plays and stuff like that way back in the day. And that's what I really started cutting my teeth on was doing church theater, but she was always, always egging me on to do more and more because I was very shy, especially when I got to middle school, because I went to a new school where no one knew me. And I was this short, this before I hit puberty, I was, I was a late bloomer. I, I hit, didn't hit that until middle high school. So everybody else had already hit the change. And I was shorter than everybody else in eighth grade. I had glasses and braces and I was skinny and I still sang soprano in the choir. So I was an easy target for bullies. And at home, I was always goofing around and being funny and, you know, all my crazy characters and stuff like that. And so, you know, people that knew me out of school, you know, I, I had, it seemed like I had two different, you know, worlds there, you know, where people knew me. 
And my mom's like, well, have, have those kids at school ever seen your real side? And I'm like, no, they, they don't let me talk. And if they do, they're always making fun of me. And I was like, well, you know, you're really good at theater. And, you know, because I had been doing a lot of church plays and stuff like that. She's like, well, your choral program that year is going to be doing um, a Mickey's Christmas Carol. <clears throat> and um, you should, you do a great Mickey Mouse impersonation. So why don't you try out for Mickey Mouse in that, uh, the role Bob Cratchit? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. And so I did. And I got the part. It was my first big kind of part outside of doing church theater. And that I, that's when I really discovered my love for theater because the night that we we're performing, everything started to go wrong on stage. You know, it's like thing like sets would fall apart. And uh, the, the the big moment was during the the Cratchit family scene, and the table broke, which had our little chicken dinner on it. And it flung the chicken over the audience. And I didn't miss the beat there where most kids would be just frozen until like the teachers came over and fixed everything. And they're like, okay, go back to the scene. I just kept going. And I was like, well, I think we're going to have fast food tonight, folks. <laughs> and it would make Colonel Sanders proud there. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's that? I see. Now, what's that boy up to? Better check on it. Yeah. And I just started riffing until we got everything back on track and the audience was just eating it up and laughing because I knew that wasn't part of the show. And it just kept going and going. And I loved that feeling. I was like, oh, this is great. And you know, I see my mom out there just grinning from ear to ear. She was just so happy. It was like, and, and, and I, I discovered then and there that that's what I wanted to do. I, I love to entertain people. I'd love to make people laugh. And that, that first time that school, people were laughing with me instead of at me. And that was an amazing feeling. And I wanted more of that. And it's all because my mom, she encouraged me to do all that. And it's, she was always encouraged me to do everything. I was, you know, all, it, she was, she was like my biggest cheerleader. She was always, every performance I was at, she was like front row center if she could be, or she'd be working the, as a house manager, but she would always slip in and watch the performance. And she was my biggest cheerleader. And, and so, um, I, unfortunately, I, I lost her when I was in college studying to be a teacher because I was trying to be pragmatic with my career. And our last conversation with each other was, uh, you know, pretty tough conversation because I had to be the one to tell her that she had a she had to let go and um it was tough it was tough but she she imparted some you know very i probably the best advice I ever got in my life she she was like I, you know there were several things that she wanted to do with her life but she was too scared to she had been told no and and she's like i don't want you to live that kind of life you've been given certain abilities don't think you have to do what you think you have to do with your life do what you want to do with your life don't waste it and that really stuck with me for a while. And, you know, and I was like, I can tell she's trying to tell me something else, but she doesn't want to flat out say it. And it really sunk in the next year when I was doing my internships in the schools. And I was sitting there and doing story time with my students. And I was doing all these little voices for the characters in the story. And the kids were laughing and having fun. And it, it hit me. And I was like, this is what I need to do. I, I get more fulfillment out of entertaining my students and in instead of teaching them, this is what I need to be an entertainer. This is what I have to do. This is what I'm meant to do. And that's when my mom's words made sense to me. I'm like, Oh my God, that's what she was telling me. She's like, don't think you have to live up to the expectations of everybody else. 
you know, this is your life. Do what you want to do with your life. And so I called up my dad that night. I'm like, dad, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I don't want to teach anymore. I want to be an actor. And I was expecting this huge long speech from him about why I should stay as a teacher because it's a stable career path and put all that money and time into, you know, that, you know, my, my years in school and he's, you know, he's a NASA engineer. He's very pragmatic and practical. And instead he's like, Oh no, your mom and I always thought that you should be an actor, but we want you to discover your own path in life. We don't want to tell you what you had to do with your life. So yeah, why don't you do that? Why don't you just, just take a year off of school so you can get your head back in the game. Cause I was going through a lot of, I was in a downward spiral after my mom died. And she's like, why don't you take that time off, you know, then take, get that last um, semester in. And then, so you have that degree if you ever need it, but uh, then go off and do what you want to do. And I, you know, it's like, as hard as that was losing my mom, I often wonder what I would be doing with my life if that had not happened, if I had not, if she had not imparted that wisdom to me. Well, two things with that. And of course, in the early part of that answer, and you mentioned the church stuff, and for those who were familiar with American radio and such, and even you see it sometimes with podcasts and everything, I'm in, I was internally editing and I'm going this, the sense of humor of me, my sarcasm was coming out <laughs> and I was thinking of, Saturday Night Live, the church lady. Well, isn't that special? Well, isn't that special? (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm self-editing to remember to put the clips and all. Whatever. Yeah. But, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I mean, that's where my head's at as he's speaking. But then, on a serious note, when you're talking about the loss of your mother and Mm -hmm. then having that conversation with your father and such. I find that cool to, in terms of, A, mom was trying to give you a last little nugget of parental advice mm-hmm. there. But you said about your dad being practical and everything else, have an education, do this, do that. Mm-hmm. But he felt the same way your mother did that, hey, you should try this. Do you think he was encouraging because you were going to have that education to fall back on? I don't know. It, it, my dad's a hard person to read. He's an engineer. So <laughs> it's a, they're, 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 they're very guarded with their emotion. See, he's very, he's very Spock, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I, I think he would, he still would have encouraged it no matter what, but you know, but yeah, education is important. He, he just wanted to make sure I had something to fall back on. And, you know, luckily I never had to. Well, I, mean, I could have if I wanted to. But I just, once I got out of the, the education system, I was like, I, I don't really care to go back into it. It's so badly damaged. And I'm like, I, I don't want to do this right now. Like, yeah, I, that, that could be a whole nother conversation. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it really could be. It really could be. It's like, yeah, I was like, I, I'd rather wait tables. <laughs> yeah, I have family who are in the field and, yeah, it's oh, on, the, on the college education level and post and yeah, you know, there's there's just so much we 
that could be a five-hour conversation. Alone. Yeah, it's one of those fields where I think people have become a little bit more appreciative over the pandemic. All these parents that had to do a lot of teaching at home. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. <laughs> yeah, but I want to reference because I heard this in another conversation you did, and yours talking about folks making fun of you, and mm-hmm. you had that odd stage that many folks have. You went back to your 20th high school reunion, and this yeah. was post-Terrifier. Yeah, it was about so, a month after we released on Netflix, yeah. So what kind of reaction did you have with that? <laughs> did, did, did people realize you did this role? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, that was, that was amazing. That's like what you see in movies, what happened there. It's like that whole thing with the geek coming back to the reunion and all like Robbie and Michelle's high school reunion type of thing where it's like, oh my God, you're cool now. It was like, I, I walk in there and everybody's like, oh my God. It, it, all these people that wouldn't give me the time of day are all wanting to come up and talk to me and all that. And I was just like, you know, I, I played it off cool. I'm, I'm, I'm not that type of person to just outwardly just be like yeah fuck you guys you know (laughs) it was but you know it i I think the most satisfying moment was um my my friend jeffrey i've kind of been his protector even though i was bullied he was bullied more than me because he was born you know with some disabilities and stuff like that and i was always protective of him and he he was saying he's he's like can you bring something to um some autographs or something i would like to get your autograph i'm like of course buddy so i brought some of my autographs with me and and i'm sitting there signing some autographs for people and this one girl who i knew back in high school i mean we we had a big class we had like 400 something people in our high school class and she would back in the day she was the the hot shit cheerleader all that kind of stuff not so much anymore (laughs) She comes over and I could tell she still had that old mentality. She comes over to our table and she sees me signing stuff. And she had this very condescending voice where they're like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, signing autographs. She's like, for what? I'm like, for my movie. She's like, wait a minute. I, I've seen that guy before. That's on Netflix, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> She's like, What? Yeah, that's that's actually me. It's just, oh, hi, I'm such and such and so and so. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't remember you. But <laughs> of course I did, but it was just like. Uh, that mentality go. Oh, yeah. Pretty- and she's like, oh, 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 oh. And she just kind of wanders off. Like, uh, uh, like she couldn't fathom that. I, I... <laughs> and my, my friend Jeffrey just looks over at me. He's like, that was awesome awesome i was like yeah that felt so good <laughs> yeah that side note i had a similar situation with you know i i would say i was more a loner kind of i kind of kept to myself but i was yeah. in the athletics and all that stuff too in high school and all and somewhat in the college but i was at a local pub and we had I have, and it was after I started this show. Mm-hmm. So give it, let's say 2017, 2018. And most of the guests we've had, I've stayed in pretty good contact with and built some friendships out of these celebrity with these celebrities. 
per se, that most people be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, where to me it's, we all put our pants on the same way. And, you know what I mean, exactly. like, like I have a different, like it's cool what people do for a living, mm-hmm. such as yourself or the musicians I have on and, you know, just all these different folks. So anyway, long story short, I would happen to be at this pub with one of these well-known musicians because he happened to be playing in my area. I said, hey, oh, that's cool. so I said, hey, let's go have a beer and whatnot. And he's yeah. a very down down earth guy and don't think his shit stinks. Exactly. Yeah, he, he, it's yeah, let's go grab a shot of beer and cool. And yeah, let's I, he goes, I want to try some cheesesteaks and whatnot because I'm in a Philly area. Yeah. Right. So I go, come on, let's go. <laughs> so we jump in a car and we go and whatnot and we're in this bar and one of those particular people you described from my high school was like oh my god you're what are you doing with him <laughs> and of course this musician's like because i like him <laughs> he's a yeah. good dude he's a good dude <laughs> yeah like stick it up your head yeah you know i mean one of those stick exactly. it up your ass it's now now all of a sudden you want to be my buddy because I'm with this. Nah, don't mm-hmm. have the time for you. It's but so funny. It's so funny. Yeah, it's yeah. That whole full circle is hilarious. Oh, it was it was really amazing too. There was an after party at one of the local bars, and so they got it. There was a big huge table, and like I was there with some of my old friends from back in high school. We were like the 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 choir and the theater geek crowd, you know, the, also the the gifted program crowd, you know the. <laughs> And we showed up a little late and we get there. And so all the people that are sitting at the table are basically all the cheerleaders and the jocks from back in the day. And we sit down at the table and we hear them talking. And so they kind of look at us like, okay, hi. <laughs> like, what are you do, doing here? I'm like, we're part of the high school. So, hey. And then we're, we're all talking at the table. And so I start hearing what everybody's been doing. And basically, I notice all the people that are the hot shit people back in high school, they all just stayed there in my town. And that's all they, they just got. They just stayed there, got married and had kids. And that was it. They peaked in high school. All of us that were the geeks back in the day that were always teased and all that. One of them is working for a senator. Another one's out there in LA doing a lot of cool stuff. Another one's up in DC, uh, like not DC, but um, uh, Seattle doing some amazing stuff with a business she owns. And it's just like all of us went out and moved away and did cool stuff with our lives. And it was just, it was just one of those weird things just coming back and kind of wow. And then what was really cool was like this one guy that was sitting right next to us, he was like, total geek like me and the rest of us and we're having a great conversation and we're like you didn't go to high school with us and she's like he's like no no i'm married to um such and such and so and so and i about spit out my drink because like she was like one of the the hot shit cheerleaders back in high school that wouldn't give guys like us the time of day and Mm -hmm. i'm like oh wow she married up (laughs) (laughs) because this guy i was like you know he's one of these well-off engineers and stuff like that working for NASA. So he's doing great. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, good for you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Hey, Ross, do you have anything? Ross. Well, He he was in shock. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I do have something, but it feels like I might need to wait until later. 
No, mm-hmm. if you got something, bring it up, Wolf. We yeah, have well, um, I was well. I'm. Um, I was interested about how um, you've done a lot of voice work and stuff, mm-hmm. but I was interested in um, what inspired your uh, your physicality for the oh, the role yeah. of Art, Art the Clown because um, that really sort of I noticed that. Yeah, that's yeah. from just a lifelong love of just film and physical comedy. Like uh, my my parents and my grandparents my, on my especially on my mom's side they they at an early age they had me watching like charlie chaplin mark's brothers and you know little and hardy all that kind of great comedies from back in the day a lot of great physical comics that's when you had a lot of good physical comedy back in the black and white film era because a lot of them were vaudevillian actors and, you know silent film actors and i i love that style and then um my aunt my mom's younger sister gifted me a box set of Mr. Bean videos when I was 13 years old. And I just loved them. And I would watch them over and over and over and over and over. Because I love that style of comedy. I love great silent physical comedy. I think it's brilliant. And I'd always wanted to play a character like that. And so when I started doing like uh, children's theater, I, I did a lot of physical comedy. And I based a lot of that off of that kind of stuff. And also Jim Carrey was a big influence on me. And so I was always honing my skills doing that for years because kids really love physical comedy over like the verbal comedy. And it really wasn't until, I mean, I was good at it, but then I, um, uh, back in 2010, I started touring with the national tour of how the Grinch stole Christmas, the musical. And our Grinch in that was, um, I was his understudy and our Grinch in that was, uh, Stefan Carl who played Robbie Rotten from the show lazy town that was on Nick jr. And it's it, all over the world, too. It's, it's seen over, over 110 countries. But uh, Stefan actually had real training in uh, he professional training in um, physical comedy and clowning. And so I was basically learning from the best. I, he, he took me under his wing. It was like, you know, fine tuning my skills and was, you know, teaching me all the tricks of the trade. And so when I, it was about a year later after I, cause I did Grinch for five years, we started filming a uh, terrifier. And so not, all that was still fresh in my mind. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to take a lot of what Stefan taught me and put it into art. Cause I think that would really, it's like, that's the one thing I wanted to improve upon what um, from the, the original art, Mike Gianelli, I wanted to bring more of the physical clowning aspect to the character. Cause I, I think that would just make him stand out more than just being another silent killer. And it's funny you say that because in bringing up the black and white and all that stuff, because Mm -hmm. I heard you quote it and could be wrong here because, like I said, we know everything on the Internet is true, (laughs) is that you like to think of art as the bastard child of Freddy Krueger and Harpo Marx. Yes, yes. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's how I think of him in my head. It's just like he's. <laughs> you are all my children now. And I'm gonna put a link to this when this gets released over the weekend. But I'm gonna send it to Ross when we're done. Cool. But prior to Terrifier, I came across this video which was kind of cool tonight. Mm-hmm. Speaking of doing characters and everything else like this, you had a monologue portraying the joker and i appreciated mm-hmm. the old school look from and i would say 
mixture of Jack Nicholson, but more so of the Joker from the original Batman series. Yes. But this was from The Killing Joke. <laughs> but I, like I said, I'll share the link to that. So were you a comic guy growing up? I was, yeah, yeah. That that came from my dad. He was a big comic guy too. So it's it was a wonderful thing where I knew a lot of my friends, their parents didn't really want to buy them comic books. My my dad and mom didn't mind buying me comic books because they wanted to read them as well. <laughs> so it, was, it gave them an excuse. So yeah, it's like I, I got into comic books a lot when I was a kid, especially around the time, you know, the whole death and return of Superman. I was reading a lot of them then, as well as like when Batman uh, Returns came out. I, I, I really like they My parents got me a big collection of Batman comics during that time frame. And I, I loved it. I just I, I, I wish I was keeping up with comics like I used to, though. But I, I, I love that whole that period there, the, the 80s and 90s of the DC Marvel. Well, era. I'm not. I'm not much of a comic person myself. And obviously mm-hmm. I've seen somebody like the original Batman series with like Michael Keaton and all that. And I've yeah. seen the three Christopher Nolan ones, you know, begins dark Knight and in rises. Uh, yeah. Rises. Thank you. I mm-hmm. brain fart, but I'm sure this conversation, cause I hear it amongst comic fans, mm-hmm. but it was happening within your household. Cause you said your folks read them as well. Were you guys DC or Marvel? Um, more DC, but as I've gotten older, I've gotten to be more Marvel. I, I, I like the characters in Marvel more. They seem more well-rounded and fleshed out, more relatable. It's, it's, they're not perfect characters by any means, and that's what I think I appreciate. I mean, of course, Batman is not a perfect character. Bruce Wayne's a very damaged individual, but, you know, the... You have characters like Superman that are just like, ah, oh, gosh, there's, <laughs> but I, I always like the Marvel universe because I could relate to those characters a lot more like Peter Parker. I could really relate to, I, I could relate to, um, I had anger problems when I was a kid where I couldn't control my emotions and I would lash out and I would go into like rages and I couldn't control my, my temper. And so I, I identified with the incredible Hulk and Bruce Banner a lot. And, you know, then you hit you. There, there, there was so there's so many of those characters where there, there were so many lessons to learn from them about everyday. I mean, you look at just the X Men alone; that was a big, huge allegory for racism and you know acceptance of those that are different from you. And that's you know, that's why I, I think Marvel was really good at doing that. They were really good at developing characters in that way. I mean, DC is good at it too, but I, 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 I was more of a DC guy when it came to like. Batman and Superman, but when it came to like you know, everything else, I loved Marvel because of Spider Man, X Men, you know, Fantastic Four, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's funny because you uh, talk about uh, how Bruce Wayne was damaged and all, and mm-hmm. that trilogy I just mentioned, as far as the Christopher Nolan trilogy, I thought that was fleshed out pretty well. That yeah, hey, he's not perfect, right? And that he's got his issues, that's for sure. Yeah, but we've danced around it. Art the clown. So <laughs> obviously, and Ross kind of asked about the miming, which led to that answer. And I made the joke about Harpo and all that fun stuff. Yes. So 
how much time would you say the makeup process was? Because is it is that like a grease paint or what is that? No, it's it's a, um, a prosthetic that we the first two films we made it out of a gelatin um, like mold or something like that. Uh, Damien knows more about that kind of stuff than he's I do. an RT and makeup guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a big special effects guy, self taught too, which is amazing. But um, yeah, it's a one big huge piece that's glued to my face. And so originally it took us about three to four hours to put that on because he would usually paint the white on my face after he glued it. And then he, for part two, he just decided to start just um, painting the mask before he put it on. So that took a lot less time to get ready because then we didn't, didn't have to wait for it to dry and then all that. So now it takes about... about Mm, about two hours give or take you know 30 minutes or so because it depends how much blood splatter and damage they have to like do to my face because you know i'm always covered in copious amounts of bloods but we have to match up all the (laughs) the continuity with blood splatters which is the the biggest pain in the butt when you're not filming in order (laughs) and you sometimes have to guess to me okay well, we're filming this scene now, but we haven't filmed the stuff that happens right before that. So we don't necessarily know where all the blood's going to be. So we'll hope we'll try to aim for it to be in those places. And we're always taking so many continuity photos just to try to match all that kind of stuff up. But it's, that's probably what takes a little bit longer than anything. It's just the fine details in it. Because Damien is all about those details. He's very, very, very thorough with all that kind of stuff. He's never fully satisfied. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I'm assuming those pictures are digital because I remember mm-hmm. hearing stories from like Robert Englund and stuff back in the day that they would use Polaroids and such to help with yeah. that co- continuity. Oh, thank goodness for digital now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yes, kids, this Polaroid was where you would actually take a picture and instead of going to the one hour printing facility or your CVS or something, these pictures would actually come out of the camera and you would shake them. Yep. You, you got this thing called Google. Look at it up if you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> You're despicable. Oh, that, that was a fun time. That and also like when you would take your photos and develop, it didn't, you didn't, didn't go to a one hour photo. It was basically like a week you had to wait for your photos to get developed. And you didn't know if you took a good photo or not because you do, couldn't see what it looked like when you took it. So Oh my God. I remember like when I, I took a trip to Paris back in like high school and I took rolls and rolls of photos and I came back and so many of them were just bad photos where they got damaged or something like that, or as they were blurry or it's like, Oh no. And I got to tell this story. Cause you say that about not knowing if he took good photos and I didn't hear it from him directly, but I know somebody who knew him. Have you ever heard of a wrestling manager named Bobby the Brain Heenan? Yes. Bobby, like people would go, oh, great. Bobby, can he be with somebody? Or let's say he was with the Barbarian or whoever. They'd be out in you know, public going to get a beer or whatever. Oh, mm-hmm. great. Hey, can I get a picture with you? Bobby, would you mind taking a picture? Absolutely. <laughs> and this shows how much of a heel Bobby was in real life. But it was for his own shits and giggles. He would take the camera, act, take the picture. No, hey, got it. No problem. Hey, thanks, Bobby. Appreciate. It. And they'd buy him a beer and whatever. And but what they didn't know until they had the pictures developed was he would take a picture of 
and they could David could see me on camera here mm -hmm. and cut out their head. Uh <laughs> yeah, that that's the kind of guy Bobby was in that's life. great. Yeah, that, he, that's, that's 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 the kind of stuff you can do now too when you take the photo and you turn the camera your way and so you actually take a picture of yourself when they think you're a selfie and <laughs> yeah, that's fun to do to people. Oh yeah, he and this was back before digital he would take it yeah the throwaway cameras again google it folks it, it was hilarious yep. oh yeah oh, oh yeah oh simpler times yeah yes <laughs> but like you said there's with the continuity and the kills and everything that people know about this film and what the second film will hopefully be if not better how do you transform yourself mentally to to become that art the clown in I really don't go through too much of a process at all. I can just turn it on and turn it off because I understand the character. And that's how I've always been because I've done shows where I've played multiple characters in the same show. And sometimes I've had to have arguments with myself on stage. So I, I had to learn how to just be able to turn a character on and off like that. And that's what I do with art. So, I mean, I, I don't do the full method actor. And I think everybody in the cast and crew is very happy. I don't do full method actor with art. <laughs> I'd probably be dead by now. <laughs> so you're not a Spicoli? No, not Sp at all. Sean, or Sean Penn? Or yeah. Oh, all I need are some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. Daniel hey, Day art, Lewis. Hey, Art, you got a phone call. <laughs> yeah. But but art don't speak. Yeah, so. exactly. That would be hard for me too, because I love that. I, I could be such a chatty Kathy on set. So I, I always like to make jokes and everything, especially like when I, I'm one of these people, when I notice that, you know, sometimes we're in these miserable situations, like uh, some of the locations we film at, we do it in the winter and it's cold and you know, we're miserable. I, when I see other people not happy, I, I like to try to cheer people up and I, try, I like to crack jokes and stuff like that. So it would be hard for me to be silent the whole entire time. So that's what I'm doing on set all the time. It's like right before we're filming, I'm, I'm, I'm cracking fart jokes or doing crazy character voices or something like that. And then they're like, okay, rolling. And I just boom back into art, angry eyes come out. And I think it sometimes throws my co-stars because like one second, I'm just like, ah, yeah, yeah like, ah, Kill, 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 kill. Are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> hey, did you see when I smeared my shit on the bathroom wall at the pizzeria? No. <laughs> Ross, do you have something you'd like to bring up again? Yeah, yeah. Well, well I was going to say, um, that's what makes the uh, the the horror in in the Terrifier so um, effective is because there's that creepy sort of um, childlike clown sort of vibe. And it sort of throws you off and it's kind of surreal. And um, and then you got the, uh, you know, the balls to the wall horror and you, yeah. you got that adjacent to the, to the creepy clown stuff. And it just, it just does something to you in here. It's like, just makes for really effective horror. Oh, yeah. like, well, what yeah. I love about it too, you're, you're sometimes, you know, the audience is laughing at things that they shouldn't really be laughing at <laughs> too. And I, I think that gets to people that they, later on, they think about that like, Oh my God, I shouldn't be laughing at this. This is horrible what he's doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just so refreshing to have um to have a horror film, a horror film that is um so full on and so intense. Cause I'm just so sick of seeing really weak as piss horror films lately. 
Oh my know? God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Predictable. Yeah. And whereas this is just really grinding tough. Like, Oh, it's, we don't hold back at all. It's just, yeah. it, 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 I will, I will say that we definitely don't hold back at all in part two. We, I, I think we pushed the envelope <laughs> further in part two because we took that as a personal challenge. Okay. Let's see how, what we can get away with. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're probably going to get some flack for one of the kills, especially because it's like basically five, six minutes of me just really just destroying a person in every which way. And it's just. (sighs) Well, speaking (laughs) of that, and I actually like that, you know, how you said that tongue in cheek, but how do you think people have been as far as towards the horror genre Mm -hmm. with the whole cancel culture and the whole let's be PC these past couple of years. That's a good question. Cause that's, that's something, you know, um, Damien and I've chatted about several times because like he, he's gotten, you know, some feedback from people saying, you know, from the first film, a lot of people line, I know some critics have been like, Oh my God, so misogynistic and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you do realize he's the bad guy, right? <laughs> like that anti-hero, as I said. Yeah, yeah, he's the villain of the piece. He's the killer. This is yeah. This is. Are you new to slashers? Usually, it's the females that get killed in these. I mean, actually, there are more men that die in terrifying than there are women, but people remember the female kills more. And there's a reason that there are usually the females are the victims of these moves because an audience empathizes with them they will a male it's that's just that's psychology right there you you're going to root for the female more than you are going to male to survive you 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 feel for them more and but that, that's one of those you know we're always like yeah you know screw what the haters say this is we're making something we enjoy making we're not going to let other people's opinions influence in in that regard what we do because we know what we are as real people in real life. Like Damien is not a misogynistic guy at all. He's the biggest sweetheart. He's a total normal, awesome dude in real life. He's very, very, you know, very open-minded too. And it's, it's, but we're like, we, we bring thing, the horrors that we think are horrible to life. Things that we think are appalling. We bring those horrors to life. It's like, we don't condone any of that. And I think that's what some people can't differentiate. They can't differentiate between fact and fiction in that, in that regard. They, and, but it's like, it's, we, we've talked about horror, but we've really talked about that whole aspect about the PC culture now with comedy. I, I feel like, yeah, you look, there's so many movies that we consider to be comedy classics, especially Mel Brooks movies, that would never be made today. They were just like blazing saddles could never be made today. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> and that's a shame because that, that movie has got such a powerful message to it. Mm-hmm. And some people just aren't smart enough to get the message. They're not trying. It's like because there's a lot of racism in that movie, but there's a reason for it. And it's to point out that, yeah. Yeah, this happened in the Wild West, but even at that time frame, there was still racism. That's the job of the the of the filmmaker and the artist. We're supposed to turn the mirror on society. 
And so these things that people find are offensive, those are usually the things we find offensive too. And we're trying to show you why this is offensive. So it's like, I, I think people have gotten a little bit out of hand with the PC thing. It's like, oh, you can't do this and this and this and this and this. I'm like, well, we should, because that's how people know if it's right or wrong. I think I know the answer, Mr. Garrison. Shut up, fat boy. Hey, don't call me fat, you fucking Jew. Eric, did you just say the F word? Jew? No, he's talking about fuck. You can't say fucking school, you fucking fat ass. Kyle. Why the fuck not? Eric. Dude, you just said fuck again. Stanley. Who? Kenny. What's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anybody. Fuck, 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 fuck. And I am, it's such a dichotomy for me, at least, if I open up this movie cabinet, because I'm a fan of having fit. Don't get me wrong. Love streaming and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I am a person that has to have physical medium, yeah. which I, I catch flack for all the time. As far <laughs> as why you always buy movies when you have extra money or why this, why did whatever. Mm -hmm. But I have horror, then I have that first row of comedy mm -hmm. it's your blazing saddles, your space yes. balls, your, you know, like, cause Caddyshack, you know, all the, all the classics, but you mentioned comedy there as part of that answer. And mm -hmm. so it actually fit that I was going to reference my response to the PC culture. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of George Carlin. If oh, God, yes. If there's something you don't like, whether it be music on the radio or movies on TV or whatever the case is, they created these things to allow you to change the channel. Yep. If it's something you don't like or don't agree with or whatever, feel free to change the channel. Mm -hmm. I am like, like on the radio when I drive, I pass a couple and I'm not knocking it, folks gospel channels and things like that it's <laughs> yep. no but it's not my cup of tea but i'm yep, hey I i'm understand. not i'm not gonna bad method but you know what it is guess what i do i hit the dial and change the channel exactly there's no reason for me to get upset about you know because something's not my cup of tea yep but if you don't you like know, it you don't have to watch it Exactly. And, you know, I'm not going to badmouth because there is an audience for everything that's out there. Mm -hmm. It's not my place to judge it. Yeah. But we hinted at Terrifier 2. And obviously, mm -hmm. during the introduction, I mentioned goddamn uh, COVID getting in our way. So, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. And that's a whole other conversation we can have, you know, for <laughs> seven hours because there's people that believe it, don't believe it, whatever. Yeah. I'm not getting into that. But how were you guys affected as far as production? And yeah. what do you know of as far as it being released? Yeah, COVID was definitely a pain in the butt for us because we were almost done filming when we had to go to lockdown here in New York. Luckily, uh, we had like literally the week before lockdown here in New York, we had just finished the big, huge crowd scene that we brought in all of, all of the um, Indiegogo campaign people from and all that and it was a big big week for us because that that scene has a lot of people involved in it, a lot of stunt work involved in it and it was the most stressful thing for us to figure out and we thought oh god it's going to go horribly oh my god oh my god and it went so smooth and it was such a fun week and it was it was great and we got it all done and then covid hits we're like oh 
God, we're so close because we had a few more scenes to film and two more big kill scenes to film. So we were almost there. We were about 85% done. And we had already started filming one of the kill scenes. And we had just taken a break from it because Damien had to take time to build the prosthetics for it for the rest of the kill scene. And when we're already filming that, uh, like that, the night that we're already filming that part of the scene, it was our, one of our crew members who's a huge horror fan had to excuse himself because he was getting nauseous from what we were already filming. Well, since we had this extra time now because of COVID, we're like, well, we have no idea when we're going to come back to film. Damon's like, you know, I'm not going to waste time just sitting here on my hands waiting for this thing to be over. I'm going to keep doing, I'm going to keep editing. I'm going to go ahead and start editing the film. And I'm also going, this gives me the time to really build the prosthetics the way I want to. Now I don't feel rushed to build the prosthetics. Now I can really do what I want. So he went back to the drawing board and looked at these two scenes we're going to do and revamped them and made them bigger. And so we were finally able to go film this stuff later on last year when we started to open up again and, you know, SAG was allowing people to go back to sets. And so what was like the kill scene I told you about earlier, that was one of the kill scenes that we had to film. And it was originally supposed to take maybe two days to film because Damon revamped the scene and added all this extra fun stuff to it. It took us about a week to film the scene. And, and we're fine with that because yeah, we got nothing else to do right now. Everything else is closed basically still except for filming. So, hey, let's do this. We have the time and luxury to do this. So it was it was kind of nice in that regard. We were actually able to do what we really wanted to do. We weren't pressed for time anymore. But um, it did slow down, you know, a lot of other things as well. You know, it's like because we wanted to get the film out in like late 2020 earliest. And, of course, that obviously did not happen. And um we had a few setbacks and you know since we're not a big huge you know hollywood production we don't have that kind of team behind us to help with the whole editing post you know post-production process and so that's basically just damien and our dp george doing everything themselves and so that's what they've been hard at work at doing this past year and they're basically almost done they just i think they have just a few more minutes of color correction to do and damien's doing the final touches on like special effects and uh the, the, the any audio and visual stuff that he has to do still and then we're going to start shopping it around hopefully damien says uh hopefully in February to distribution. So once we have distribution behind us, which hopefully is not going to take nearly as long as it did for Terrifier 1, because now we're a proven commodity. I think we already have some people chomping at the bit to get us. So once we have distribution set up, then we can finally announce a date. But it is coming out this year. Come hell or high water, it's coming out this year. We're, we're tired of sitting on this. We can't wait to release this beast. It's so I don't want people to think it hasn't been coming out because we're just looking for an opportune time to release it. Like a lot of Hollywood films that were already in the can, Morbius, <clears throat> before the pandemic. And they keep delaying and delaying and delaying because they're trying to just like, oh, we want as much butts in the seats as we can get. We want to release this thing as soon as possible. It's just it takes us a little longer because we're still an independent production. And Damon's very methodical and he knows exactly what he wants. And I learned to trust the process. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's going to come out when it's ready, but we don't want to rush something that's subpar. We don't want a, uh, for the gamers out there, another cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> so we want to release something that's 
worthy of the fans because it's the fans that really founded Terrifier 2. Our, the, most of our budget comes from the Indiegogo campaign. And we don't want to disappoint people. And this film is a beast. It's over two hours long. It, originally, the runtime was about two, two and a half to two hours and 45 minutes. And we cut it down to about 2.15. And, and we really can't cut it down any further because we would lose big chunks of plot and everything like that. So we're like, okay, you know what? People are used to Marvel movies that are three hours plus. People can sit through four hours of the Snyder Cut. People can sit through two and a half hours of like the uh, Midsummer and stuff like that. They'll be fine because this is a film that is not boring. It is constantly going. The, I think the longest lull in the movie is maybe seven minutes since back to something crazy happening again. So it's, it, we're taking the audience on a big roller coaster ride. And it's, I think it's going to blow the first film out of the water. I, I, I love this film. I am so excited about this film coming out. There's so much I can't wait to finally talk about with people that we're doing in this movie. It's just, it's a fun movie, especially the last third of the film is once it starts going, it doesn't relent until credits roll. And as far as uh, tongue in cheek there with the stuff that was already in the can, as you mentioned, I won't start singing. You lost that loving feeling or yes. I'm not going to make fun of Top Gun too. That's been done since 2019. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, you're right. I'm not going to go there, but uh, (laughs) with the whole tongue in cheek, but I don't care. Uh, Again, the name of the show is what it is. So yep. again, screw you. Uh, (laughs) The last thing I want to bring up with you. And it seems like I haven't had a chance to see you do this, but no, mm-hmm. it's been done in person at conventions and stuff. You do a lot of pictures and meet and greets as mm-hmm. Art the Clown. So yes. what's the what's the response been when you do these meet and greets besides uh, doing the normal autographs and pictures at the table mm-hmm. and stuff? It's fun. It is so much fun. But everybody loves that because you usually don't get someone that comes in full wardrobe as the character you know especially as much makeup as i got to put on because we do the that's the that's the one thing damien and i worked out with each other right before we started doing conventions like the only person that's going to do my makeup at these conventions is going to be damien because he wants art if 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 art's going to be in costume at at a convention he wants it to be done right and i totally agree with that and so we want to give people their money's worth and so i love doing it because I get to play as art in public. So I get to mess around with people. And that's not just in the room doing the photos. Cause I like to mess with people. I love to do different things with different people when they come in. You know, so I love it when people have their own ideas for photo ops too. I, that makes it even more fun for me because sometimes people have things that I didn't, didn't even think of. I'm like, Oh, let's do that. Cool. Let's do it. And I, I play, I, I totally remain in character. I never talk. As soon as I walk out of the room in makeup, I do not talk. But I also mess with the people on the way to the photo op. I like to walk around the convention for a little bit and, uh, and just futz with people. And that's so much fun. Well, it, it's really funny, too, because you know, sometimes even the photo ops, people come in and they're scared of me. I've had people like this one, like she had been in her 30s and she was crying because she was so afraid of me. She was with her boyfriend. And I'm like, well, I just can't stand here and not do anything. I got to scare her. <laughs> so I did and it was great it was so funny 
Uh, but I, I, one of the best moments was with our, um, my security guard when I was at, I think it was Astronomicon, big mountain of a man. And we had been joking and talking beforehand before I was in costume. And awesome dude. And he, I come out in costume and he's supposed to walk me down and he's like petrified of me. He has a huge fear of clowns. I'm like, why did they put you with me? <laughs> so we're in the elevator together. And he is backed into a corner in the elevator. And I'm like, I got to mess with you, man. And so I just slowly bring my horn up to his face. And he's like, don't you dare. Don't, 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 man. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. And I'm just slowly getting closer to him. And he just starts to cry a little bit. So please stop. Please stop. And I just honk the horn in his face just one time. He's like, ah! he just... <laughs> and that's when the door opens and all these people see him. He's like, ah! <laughs> oh. all these people just start laughing at him. It was just great. Then I go up and give him a hug. He's like, oh, God, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> but you, you sound like a friend of the show, Kane Hodder, in terms yes. of you got to. Have you ever met Kane? Oh, God, yes. I so, love Kane. Okay. So you know this as much as anybody. Kane's he, hilarious. He, he's going to want to fuck with you. Yes. As much as as yes. much as he can. He's going to want to fuck with you. And he will, and he will not relent. <laughs> he, 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 same thing. He's just going to push and push. Yes. And, push. and that's why we love him. Yes. Not only, not only as friends, but as someone who's gotten to know him a little bit, it's, I love that he's going to push and push and, mm -hmm. you know, he's going to, he's going to find that line where, and maybe then cross it by five or six feet. Yeah. And I love that. And I see, I love to see other celebrities doing that kind of stuff where they, uh, Bill Mosley's really good about that kind of stuff yeah. too. It's just like, they, great guy. Yes. I, I adore Bill. I just absolutely adore Bill and Kane too. I just adore all of them. It's just like, I like to see these and I've noticed it's usually the horror celebrities that are like this, that they, they like to interact with their fans that way. They like to play around with them at the photo ops, especially Robert England's really good about that kind of stuff too. Yeah. They appreciate it, but I've seen other celebrities. I'm not going to name names that are not the horror celebrities and at the photo ops, they just kind of do the same thing for every single person. It's just like going through the pages. Let's point at each other. Let's point. Hey, it's that guy. Hey, it's that guy. Hey, it's that guy. And it's the same thing. It's so impersonal. And I just can't do that. I, I got to have some kind of fun with people. It's just like, it's like you're going to be miserable if you don't, too. I'm like, I do it not just for myself, but for them as well. It's just, it's just fun. Why not have fun with it? Give them their money's worth. That's for exactly, sure. Exactly. Exactly. And I will say this. I know I'm not speaking school with this one, but Bill Mosley is, I would say, a Mensa student. And mm -hmm. folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Mm -hmm. I would say the same thing about another friend of the show in Dan Yeager. And it was funny mm -hmm. when you were talking about, well, Robert is extremely smart and can talk about, you know, European history and all these different yeah but when you were talking about messing with the security guard the room I'm in now I have a signed poster from Dan from Texas 3D yeah and it's hilarious because my niece is going to be five coming up in March 
But when she was two, she goes to me, not fully grasping about a picture, essentially, of this poster that's in the frame on signed on the wall. She goes, can I give him a taffy? Now, mind you, it's Leatherface with a chainsaw. and you know, yeah. She goes, is that guy nice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing it up because she was two at the time. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's, can I give him a taffy? Well, you can't give a picture of Taffy Joe's, but when, you know, I see him again in person, you know, obviously this was right before COVID and all hit. So right. and things change. I said, when I know I'm going to see Dan, I will take you with me. You can give him the Taffy. Mm-hmm. So tell Dan the story goes. And, you know, Dan likes, he likes a, a cigar and, yep. a, and, a, and a drink. Yep. He's like me. I don't smoke, but. I like it. He's such a man's man in that way, you know? Yeah. He likes a bottle of whiskey and whatnot. Yeah. Similar personality. I love him. For yeah. It. But Dan, we were doing a watch along of that particular Texas. And I was telling a story before fans came in the room and all. Well, I sure as hell better get that taffy when I see you. <laughs> right. Dan being Dan, which is great. Love yeah. Again, love the guy. But sure enough, it's like now it's that guy's scary. I'm afraid to come in your room. You got the scary movies and stuff. And that yeah, I'm afraid to come into that office. I was like, Joe, yeah, I had that comment. You could come in. Nothing's gonna jump out and exactly. Yeah. But she's like, Can I see Ghostbusters? Can I see this? Can I see? Yeah, it's like, yeah. So and for, I just introduced, we talked about it earlier. Just introduced to who framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. So it's like I'm oh, starting good. It. I'm passing some of the classics to the next generation, that's for sure. That's great. Ross, do you have anything you'd like to ask before we wrap this up? <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of a silly one. Okay, go uh, ahead. David, we've been you, all over the place, man. So go for it. <laughs> oh yeah. I like when, silly. When you um when you're in full makeup and you do those photo ops with your fans at the conventions, mm-hmm. does anyone turn up with chocolate pudding? Not yet. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh my god, that would be hysterical. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my god, that would be hilarious. Because that, that that's be... what I, that's that's what I'd do. I'd yeah. Do. Okay. Can you yeah. see me with your white gloves and like just? <laughs> oh, I would totally just like sh- right in their face if they wanted it. So, all right, here's what we're going to do with that then. And I'm going to go a little inside baseball because for the past couple of episodes, folks have heard the new introduction and I might mm-hmm. as well give him credit publicly here. Ross remixed what I had done. So thank you for that. And I had asked Ross, what can I do for you in return? Cause I'll show David this tip. Bring it up. Ross, you got it handy. Can you show him the mug? Yeah. So we have these mugs for the show, and we donate royalties. Oh, cool. We donate the royalties to a veterans organization. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, I'm going inside baseball here. And I didn't get one for myself yet at the time. So Ross says to me, goes, we were just shooting a shit about theme and everything he goes well what's your address he sent me a mug for christmas which was awesome mm-hmm. so that's nice he, 
Yeah, so, yeah, that's the kind of guy Ross is. So I got one to go for the whiskey when we're done here. But anyway, I was asking Ross because he brings up about wanting to have the picture with possible picture with you in the pudding and all that fun stuff. I said, Ross, what can I do for you when, you know, can I pay you? Can I do this? Can I do whatever? When the funds are there, he says, Ross says to me, and I hope I'm not speaking out of school here. He says, get me, buy me a beer when I am able to come to the States because of this whole COVID and everything that's gone mm-hmm. on. And we'll go to a convention or something. I'm like, awesome. So I'm definitely going to have to get him to one. Cause I know you do chiller often and you do mm-hmm. uh, also monster manias and all that stuff mm-hmm. a lot here in the Northeast. So we're going to have to try to coordinate Ross's visit to one of these appearances with you for sure. That'd be great. I'd love that. And we can uh, get that picture with the pudding for sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Gloves too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I just, I just love it when people have ideas too, that they've thought of and they bring their own props or something like that. I love that. It just keeps it fresh and fun and new. I love that. I love it. And as we wrap here and first off, where before I ask where people can find you social media wise, I do want to publicly also say this to thank you to Donna Jean. Cause I said, Oh yes. Yes. Cause she's the original one. When I said to her, man, I would like to talk to David at some point. Mm-hmm. She goes, Oh, well we let's make it happen. I, I talk to David often. Yeah. We talk all that. I love Donna Jean. She's yes. just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she, she does her own, you know, coffee house show yes. as well. So, and she had David on and she goes, when I said to her privately, she, she goes, I, I talk to David often, let's make it happen. And so I got to thank her publicly for yeah. making this happen as well. Yes. And thank us you. Yes. Yeah. You know, total sweetheart. And she's the best. So she really is. She yeah. really, she's helped me at conventions at my table as well. She's just a fantastic person. I think she was actually, cause it was funny, you know, for timing, I had a, uh, for Halloween weekend and I mentioned chiller. I actually had to go in and out quickly to chiller. So she goes, well, why don't I save you some time right up with me from PA? And she was connecting with you guys. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be helping you out chiller back in. Yeah. Yeah. She was, when I had to quickly get in and say goodbye to her, but it was a shame. I didn't get to catch up with you guys in person. So yeah. Eh, there's always next time. That's how I look at it, you know? Yeah, it was funny. I had to bounce around the because I had a couple of friends from the show there, Adam mm-hmm. Marcus and Richard Karn and yeah, a couple. Yeah, of, Richard so, was in the room with me too. Yeah, so it was like yeah. I had to quickly, hey, yeah, because I had five or six people I had to make sure besides Donna, I had to go say hello to because they're like, you better yeah. come say hello. And Yeah. Oh, Richard's a really great guy. I oh, was- he's fun. Oh my God. See, I, I was, so I loved it because like um, when home improvement was on TV at that time, my dad looks exactly like him on home improvement. My dad was out. Everybody's like, yeah, my, everybody's like your dad. And my dad has the same exact disposition as Al Borland. If that, if anybody wants to know what my dad is like, it's Al Borland. That is my dad. And I, I was, I was so happy to meet Richard too. Cause like, I hope he's not an asshole. I really hope he's not an he's asshole. Not. He was just the coolest guy. I would just, 
it, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. He came up, he and um, Deborah Dunning came up and got their um, photo with us during our photo op and stuff like that. They just wanted to come in. They're like, hey, can we get a phone? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I was like, oh, I was I was so ecstatic because I, I loved I loved him on Home Improvement back in the day. I was just like, oh, <laughs> he was one of my favorites. Yeah, exactly. And he's genuinely a good dude. Yeah, so. such a good dude. Such a good dude. And you know what's funny? Because when I had him on back in the right before, you know, ch- that Choa show, mm-hmm. we we were talking about that show to promote it and all that. Doing my reading and a little homework on him besides Home Improvement. Richard's an average golfer and uh-huh. me being the history nerd that I am saw and read and it was legitimate that he got to golf with former president Ford. Wow. And so I, right off the bat, when we started, I made the joke that Richard won a bet against president Ford in that golf game. And let me tell you a little story. I once knew a guy that could have been a great golfer. Could have gone pro. All I needed was a little time to practice. You know, that whole thing, <laughs> which was hilarious. And he goes, he goes, wow, not many people bring that up. So I, I, I come up to, and there's a whole story. So people can go back and listen to that. And I'll tell you directly what it is later. Mm-hmm. But uh, so at show, I'm doing a quick run around and say hello to everybody. I said, I'd say hello to. Before I had to catch my ride back to Philly, I right. said, it. I walk up to Richard as fan in front of me. I walk up, I go, hey, so he knew it was me coming in from this. I said, hey, so do you got that money from uh, the Ford estate? You, you, he's like, you, <laughs> ass, you ass. Because, <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to ask president ford's son for that money <laughs> you, know, jo- <laughs> you know joking and you know whatever it's that's fantastic uh, but that's the kind of guy richard is oh he's just great i was oh so happy to be in the same room with him i was just like this is amazing this uh, is absolutely amazing but folks look out for terrifier too but in the meantime where can people see you on social media learn about any convention appearances you got going on and everything yeah. else. Um, I, I usually post all that on Facebook and Instagram and I'm under David Howard Thornton on both of those. Um, I do know my next convention, my first one of the year is going to be at Mad Monster Party in North Carolina in February, the 18th through the 20th, I think. So something like that. Yeah. yeah. They just announced that uh, some of the guys from Revenge of the Nerds are going to be down there, like uh, Curtis Armstrong and all that. So I'm just like, yes. So I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited, especially Curtis. Arm. I mean, he's like one of my favorite character actors. So I'm, I'm, you know, he's been in so many things other than just Revenge of the Nerds, especially like Supernatural and stuff like that. He's just fantastic. So, and let's Great. not forget I'm one excited. of he does a voice for one of my favorite shows, American Dad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he's just great. He's got such a great voice for that kind of stuff. It's just like it's perfect. So, I, I I'm such a fanboy myself when I go to the conventions. I'm always happy to see who's going to be at the conventions as well, so I can hopefully meet them or something like that. So, I'm excited. Well, final, final. Then, since you say that, who's you, who's the favorite person you've gotten to meet so far? Oh boy, that's hard because you know I've I've met people like you know Alice Cooper, 
and like my my manager is also his manager so that's it's that's been pretty cool he even came in to help do my makeup one day in in, in indianapolis that was cool he just walked in the room he's like so my makeup only takes about four minutes to do what's your excuse <laughs> he's like need some help and he comes over and starts doing my eye makeup I'm like this is great because you know our eye makeup's the same so i'm like <laughs> that's awesome alice he's awesome dude but um another mensa person <laughs> yeah oh he's he's a wonderful person to sit down and just have a great chat he's a big movie buff he loves movies he's got so many awesome stories alice is fantastic i uh, would say I would oh, say, yeah, sorry ahead. to interrupt. I would say yeah. Alice Cooper, when you see that scene in Wayne's World in the back yes. where he's talking history and stuff, that's legit. We're not worthy. That's that's legit. That is so legit. That is, yeah. I'm like, our first time meeting him, we were like, oh my God, we really had a Wayne's World moment. <laughs> it's like, because <laughs> we, we sat down and had like a 45 minute discussion with him about movies and stuff like that, just shooting the shit. It was just wonderful. And it's, it's actually, he's just a very personal guy. So that was a great experience. Um, uh, Christopher Lloyd was really awesome. I, I met him down in um, Orlando. I was doing my getting my makeup on in the green room, and my manager Bob comes in. He's like, "Hey, I got someone here that wants to meet you guys." And I had my eyes closed, so I didn't see who it was. And I just hear this, "Oh, wow!" And of course, I was like, "Oh." <gasps> Would that be the same Christopher Lloyd who was the judge? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And I, he just had the biggest smile on his face. He was just, he's like, that is absolutely fantastic. I love this. Yeah, it was just like, oh, I'm like, this is amazing. He's just such a sweet, sweet man. And I'm like, just to bring a smile to his face made my year because I'm like, that man has been in so many of my favorite movies, Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Adam's Family, all those. I mean, he's he's brought so much joy to my life. So be able to bring a little bit of happiness to him made me just, I was just on cloud nine. But um, I would say probably my favorite one because he's been a big influence on me career-wise because we're so much alike physically. And I love it. He's a great character actor and I love the trajectory his career has taken since he was Mac tonight way back in the day on McDonald's commercials is Doug Jones. That was, that was a great one because we both have the privilege of killing Jenna Connell in a movie. He killed her in Bye Bye Man and we filmed back to back. She, she left us to go film Bye Bye Man like two days later. And I had chatted with him beforehand a little bit, just on Instagram saying, Hey, mutual with Jenna and stuff like that. I'm just one. I see that we're going to be at a convention together and I, I would love to just say hi. He's like, Oh yes. Huggles will be had. And so I was expecting your typical little, you know, like, Oh, hi. Nice to meet you, David. Okay. That type of thing. Cause he's Doug Jones. He's amazing. He probably has a lot of other time that he's got to do other stuff with. That's more important. And so I, I was on a, I went to a, on a bathroom break and I was like, I'm going to go just, by his table to see if I can just wave at him real quick. And he had a huge line of people and I'm like, I don't want to break in line. So I just stood inside and I just see if I can catch his eye. And he looks up and sees me and he just jumps out of his chair, comes running over to me and just wraps me into a hug. 
It's like, oh my God, how are you doing, David? Oh, I've been, so, I'm so excited to meet you. How's my little puppy doing? Starts like rubbing my head like a puppy. He's like, oh, I'm so happy to, I love your work, all that. And it's like, we have to talk later. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, okay. I mean, this is like for me meeting Robin Williams. I was just like, oh, this is one of my idols. And later on that night, the, um, they had a VIP party and I was doing an interview with someone beforehand and Damien sends me a text. He's like, David, get your butt here as soon as possible. Doug Jones is here and he's looking for you. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I go in and Doug just pulls me over to his side and he's like, I just want to sit down and get to know you. And we sat down and just chatted for about an hour or so, just getting to know each other. And it was just, he was just the sweetest, kindest man. I, I think Doug Jones is who every human being should aspire to be. He is just lollipops and rainbows, just Mr. Positivity, just, and he's so talented. He's just so, so talented. And it's, you know, they always say never meet your heroes, but this is one of those times where that's an exception to the rule. Now, which is like, this is, it's, I'm, I loved it. It was just like, this is absolutely fantastic. Well, being that I got that bottle of whiskey here. I'm not going to live up to that standard of lollipops and the rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for sure. But David, thank you so much for the time, sir. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for the time as well. And hope to be hanging out with you guys soon at a convention. Especially once well, all this COVID stuff's over with. Absolutely. We'll definitely want to sit and have, converse with you and maybe have a beer yes. with you. and just. Yeah. But I know it'll be a little easier for me. I made fun of Ross for it with the whole being in Australia and COVID and stuff. But yeah. I definitely hope to maybe come down to Mad Monster in February. So yeah. I will let you know. Sure. And I actually hope to come to Australia one day. I actually have a cousin that lives out there. She yeah. married a, um, a professional motocross racer, and they live out there. I can't remember what – it's a smaller town, so I can't remember the name of it. But it's just like she loves it. She's been out there for about a decade. Cool, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, so nice talking with you, David. Yeah. Yes, yeah. nice talking to you too. To oh, see part two, just gagging, gagging to see it. Come oh, it's going to be well worth the wait. I guarantee you. I, uh, I appreciate everybody's patience with us. It's going to, like I said, we, we want this thing out as soon as possible. And it's going to be well worth it. It's going to be such a fun film. You guys are going to love it. Yeah. Right on. So on that note, I'm going to go to bed watching Terrifier 1, which probably, <laughs> which probably explains why I'm as fucked up as I am. But that's a whole nother. Yeah. That's a whole nother episode there. Interesting <laughs> dreams. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so folks if you hear another episode from me and I don't die of a stroke with these dreams <laughs> I think we'll have to have Dr. Phil and uh, talk to me about I'm joking will never happen <laughs> we'll never hear from Dr. Phil but uh, <laughs> David thank you so much you're very welcome thank you as well is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. 
Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansopery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hey, this is Kane Hodder. You are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Keep listening or else. 